Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, it's not exactly today, but a rough calculation. Nonetheless, the UN has named today as the day when the human population of the Earth reaches 8 billion. Graham Finley is here to tell us about it. Afternoon, Graham. Afternoon. Has the rate of increase of the population of the world gone up over the last one or two hundred years, or what's it been? A fair bit, yeah. Yeah. So happy (laughs) 8 billionth person day, or the day of 8 billion, as Mm. the UN likes to call it. And uh, yeah, they they try to celebrate the incredibly arbitrary date where they decide, you know, uh, with a margin of error of 12 months on either side, (laughs) when the 8 billionth person uh, arrives on Earth, right? And um, so, yeah, it's been increasing, uh, although there are debates about this. Um, What's really interesting is the prehistory of this, but... Maybe since the Black Death ended, uh, whenever that was, sometimes we have like the 1450s, where the population of the world, which got to experience the Black Death, went down quite radically. Uh, The population has been increasing all the time, except for maybe, and this is something we'll never really know the answer to, is like the Columbian Exchange in in the Americas, where they, we got potatoes and, and, and chilies and the tomato, and they got terrible diseases which yes. killed <laughs> tens and possibly a hundred million people, uh, which they could ill afford to lose. I mean, it's some, it could be one of the most horrendous disasters in, in, in human history. So that could have set us back quite a bit. But basically, we've been growing largely ever since as a, as a, as a species. Yeah. And the rate of increase, though, I take it, has sped up as well. Well, that's the most dramatic thing. So the, the UN always spins these days as positive things, right? So they had the day of the five billion where they decided, you know, so-and-so, uh, and I have to look it up, you know, Matej Gaspar of then Yugoslavian Zagreb was the official fifth billionth person. They had no idea. That was in 1987. Then the day of the six billion, they also chose someone from now the former Yugoslavia. That was in 1998, Adnan Mevic. I'm not sure what was going on with the former Yugoslavia. That's where it happens, I guess. And then the day of seven billion, they sort of gave up on that, which was um, October 31st, 2011. And so they always spin it as a positive, like, look how many people we can support. We must be doing something right in terms of public health and, and you know, and for, you know, women's lifespans and stuff like that. But um, the latest one, the day of eight billion, they're trying to say, look, it's slowing down. <laughs> Don't freak out, people. So if, but like that's just over a decade, we've added a billion people. Yeah, well, what's really interesting is it took us 123 years from 1802 to uh, 1920, 1927. Yeah, uh, so well, that's wrong. 1804 to 1927 to get from 1 billion to 2 billion. It then took us till 1960 to get to 3 billion. And then basically after that, it's been the mid to low teens in terms of years to add another billion. Yeah. Right? And so people like people have historically and, and especially recently kind of freaked out about this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to overpopulate the earth. And this was a subject of a massive hysterical response in the late 60s, early 70s. But the actual rate of fertility, which was peaked at 2.1% for the world, which is replacement value, you know, anything below mm. that, you are not replacing yourself. Um it's been dropping precipitously, and this is what the UN's pointing to. And so the actual projections are that if this fertility rate continues to drop, the, the population will continue to increase because mortality is also dropping. But it will peak certainly by 2100, possibly as early as the 2060s, at around 10.9, 11 billion, and then to start to go down. Uh, so. Yeah. Do they know by how much it's going to go down? 
there's, I mean, if you look at the graph, they have it going back to zero, right? yeah. but which is unlikely. Okay, that's, not, right? that's reassuring. But, you know, it might level off at, at somewhere where we are now. I mean, I, these projections are obviously yeah. very, very, they're complex. They're based on a lot of data, but they're quite arbitrary. But isn't there also, though, like a common sense argument that you have so much people, the more people you have, the more food you have to produce, but with, with the same amount of resources, you have to produce more food. Yeah, the UN doesn't really want to talk about food as much as 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 emissions. Um, so, but yes, you know, I mean, there are costs to increasing populations, and I think I spent a lot of time around environmental NGOs and global poverty um, hunger NGOs. They don't always see eye to eye because there's a streak of environmentalism, which is like, you know, there are too many human beings. We're a bad thing. There should mm. be less of us. And the more extreme version of this, this neo-Malthusian tendency to suggest that really we should just let some people die off is really not the mission of the anti-poverty, anti-global hunger NGOs. Yes. And so it leads to a lot of rhetorical and actual conflict. But, you know, we can feed the world, given the resources we have. We could feed 10.9 billion people. I think that seems pretty clear. And you don't even have to go to genetically modified organisms or, or whatever, you know, golden rice, miracle wheat, and things like that. And so then the debate between these two NGO groups is, should we? Yeah, you know, and and the environmentalists say, well, even if you could feed people, you shouldn't because then we won't have, you know, unspoiled nature. We won't have chances for solitude. In some ways, this is a really developed country way of thinking about things, right? It's like I really still want to be able to go to a beach, you know, somewhere and 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 drive my Land Rover there to to commune with nature, man. You know, whereas these people are just trying to to eat. Uh, On the emissions front, the UN is at pains to point out that the people who are making the vast bulk of the world's emissions are those people driving their Land Rover to the isolated beach, not the (laughs) the people who are being born in the areas of high growth, like uh, certain countries in sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, uh, West Asia, Central Asia, South Asia, you know, Oceania, excluding Australia and New Zealand, right? So if it's emissions you're worried about, you're you're worried about the wrong people. Yeah. So when... Concerns about the climate kind of intersect with uh, concerns about population growth is is where it is, I suppose, migration, where you see people moving out of parts of the world that, that are experiencing uh, the sharp edge of climate change and moving, you know, trying to find some sort of refuge in the developed world. And people in the developed world might say, well, it's uh, things are starting to get a bit kind of a bit crowded in here. Yeah, and I think that's a really complex debate, and it's not one we should shy away from. It's it's one which is a, a serious factor. So Ireland's not at replacement rate. I mean, you may think Irish people have a lot more kids than other people. They do, compared to Italy or Spain or whatever, Germany. But we're not replacing ourselves, right? And mm. so, but it's a really complex uh, relationship because, you know, we do need people to care for our elderly as the population ages in wealthy countries, Someone's got to care for people. We need people to actually work to pay for my pension whenever I, I, I choose to get it. Uh, and, you know, those people um, want to come because they're experiencing all sorts of problems in, in, in sending countries where we tend to recruit these people from. And population pressure gets blamed for a lot. There are a lot of other problems which might cause people to move. And it's complicated by the fact that, you know, the answer to all of this, especially from the European Union, but from a lot of states, wealthy states, who don't want people to come or certain people to come, is to stress development. Oh, no, we're going to develop you here in Senegal or wherever. Mm -hmm. That's the whole basis of the EU Trust Fund for Africa. It's like, stay there. We'll develop you there. Don't come to us. You know, one of the problems is, and the solution to population um, expansion and to the, the way we're going to get 
population to, to level off and be sustainable is through education, specifically girls' education, and reproductive rights, giving women control over their own fertility. That's the only way. You, letting people die off has not prevented the population from growing. Letting women and girls control their basic aspects of their own lives, you know, engaging in development, education, education for them, that's the way that we're going to get there. That's the way we got there. That's why we are mm. not replacing ourselves. Um, the problem is, in the short term, development actually makes people more mobile because they now have skills, they now have um, resources to, to move. So all of this plan to substitute development for migration is is a very bad and stupid policy, and yet one which is politically um, attractive to groups like the European Commission. So, yeah. so we're but in a dynamic. Parts of the word, you know, but deserve I, to develop. I, you know, as someone welcome. who's pretty open bordery, you know, uh, <laughs> it's if that's a word, which it isn't. Um, you know, I think we can look at managing migration in a way which treats migrants justly. But at the same, you know, doesn't violate their rights, doesn't lead to the horrendous outcomes of people drowning at sea, but also um, through better labor inspection in, in wealthy countries, you know, where we have very few labor inspectors in this country, to prevent people from being exploited when they get here, to make the actual um, availability of, of good work, you know, there, but also to, to, to regulate it so that you don't have more people applying for jobs and, and leading to, which is ill-regulated, leading to exploitation. I think there's a lot of room for for reducing the unnecessary, horrible suffering which people experience as part of the migration process and benefit uh, wealthy wealthy countries at the same time. And I guess I can plug for some research I'm doing. I actually have a grant from the Irish Research Council where we're exploring just that, where we're trying to simulate the migration decisions using computers of, of would-be employment, I know, you know, not me, <laughs> but, you know, uh, employment visa applicants uh, to Ireland so that we can have better outcomes for them, but also maybe better outcomes for, for, for the Irish state by identifying the attitudes and, and the outcomes for people who you'll never be able to interview because they just give up on the process because it, it stopped making sense to them or it just, you know, it's too annoying. Mm. At the same time, though, there is also a political reality, and we perhaps are seeing a bit of that at the moment. Now, it's it's not quite a comparing like with like, but where you know we've taken in a fair amount of Ukrainian refugees. One is aware of a certain amount of discontent uh, a, a, among the rest of the population because it's you know, there are clear difficulties uh, with looking after them all. So many countries are experiencing that sense, whether it's true or not, that you know we have enough now. Yeah, and I mean, look. Um, that's a crisis. This is a humanitarian response. Mm. And and I think most Ukrainians, like most Syrians, when it becomes possible for them to return to their country, they want to return to their country. As I often say, look, we had an experiment in open borders when um, Poland, among other countries, joined the you know, EU and we placed no barriers to them coming to Ireland whatsoever. Now, a lot of Polish people came to Ireland and I'm really, really happy that they did. But... Not most people in Poland stayed in Poland, right? Yes. <laughs> and so people want to go back. Most of these most Ukrainians we have here want to go back. Some are already going back, even though it's really dire there. And their government's saying, look, we may not have electricity for you. You know, so please don't. You know, that's something which we have to respond to. And we have responded to in the past, uh, to Hungarians fleeing, you know, Soviet oppression and so forth. People, you know, in the long run, people will stay if there's something for them to do here, if it works for them, right? So this, you know, this is a crisis. We should deal with it. Ireland is not full. 
Um, and actually, if you look at the the number of countries which are most densely populated, they're all very, very specific countries, like Singapore, you know, Monaco, Vatican City, right? You know, they're not normal countries, right? And if you look at territories, you know, Macau, you know, so they're all like tax havens, gambling havens, um, uh, allegedly, right? <laughs> Vatican City, which isn't a big place, right? You know, um, uh, which actually has a homelessness problem. I was in Vatican City not so long ago, and oh. there's a lot of homeless people in Vatican City. Anyway, uh, they, um, I mean, it's just a building, basically, right? Yeah. But there's, I mean, it's really sad and unfortunate. Anyway, um, so, you know, there are some European countries which are quite dense, densely populated. Malta, and Malta has a major refugee crisis because of where it is in the Mediterranean. The Netherlands has 17 plus million people. It's probably more now. And, and if you go to the Netherlands, the vast majority of it is under intensive cultivation, which is why it's the second largest agricultural net exporter, like, you know, actual physical exporter of food in in the world. Ireland is, so the Netherlands is something like number 22. Ireland is number 125 in terms of the, the most densely uh, populated countries. Okay. Yeah. So I was just outside, out in Mayo. Um, there's a certain amount of space there. There is indeed. Graham Finley, thanks a million. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.